Sometimes you might feel trapped between the right and the left. No one listens when you say taxation is theft. But there's a place where people know harsh government brings tears. So grab some blue and Adrena Chrome. Let's make the timeline weird. Friends against government. Friends against government. can't find it they're very oh. best friends okay so basically from what i understand uh he, he donald trump may have committed a, a federal crime uh in that he retweeted a tweet that had the name of the whistleblower in it and <laughs> I, as you know it's against the law he's not allowed to divulge the name of the whistleblower um and so I texted that to you, Car. Like, mostly as a joke because it's yeah. it's just funny, right? Like, okay, like, that's a law. Sure, that's a. <laughs> you yeah, know? you're like you're like you you need to know about the latest Trump news. It's the most 2019 thing ever, and you'll appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's there, right? I need, that, it's, I need that qualification. Yeah, it's um, it's just interesting, right? That's something that you you couldn't even explain to people what any of that would have meant in like 1980. And, <laughs> And and yeah. we're here now, so that's good. So that would be wouldn't that be funny uh, if the president actually was impeached for committing a federal crime by retweeting the name of the whistleblower? <laughs> oh man, it'd be that'd be great. It'd be pretty that'd be great. great. That'd be pretty great. Um, so uh, this episode we got a we got a kind of a short little episode. I think we we've got a hard cut here in like fifty or forty five minutes or something like that. But we brought Connor on. Connor, you reached out, and uh, I listened to about half of your show on the Brian Nichols show. And it was great. Um, so you're joining us from Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, yeah over in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Another, nice place to be. Another East oh, yeah. Coaster. Welcome to the show, fellow East Coaster. Thank you yep. so much. Yeah, the the elites. <laughs> yeah, the 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 shakers, the, the, the sh- Bethlehem, Pennsylvania elite. We really <laughs> st- we have to stand by that. It's, yeah, uh, what, yeah is, it's right what is Pennsylvania's uh, like like uh, maybe satanic ritual cult situation? Like, how are you guys doing with that? Is that going well? <laughs> well, I know that, uh, that Pennsylvania is known for just growing all of these little tiny groups of people who believe in just about everything oh, uh, yeah? across the state. I feel like it's, it's groups just pop up satanic. Religious militias. I mean, every every single backwoods town. <laughs> satanic and otherwise. <laughs> satanic or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't okay. know how Pew uh, uh, all of them. Yeah, they, how they designate that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, good. I'm glad to hear that. It's good to hear that. <laughs> this the state of the demon worshippers of the world. I'm glad that. And that's really so what the, that's what this episode is about. Is yeah, just, yeah. We're gonna dive into 2020 with just the state of de- demonic worship in this. In, oh in Pennsylvania. my God! Well, how are we diving into 2020 today? Actually, there's a whole lot to to dive into. I just did a. Uh, I don't know when this episode is going out, but it's probably going out after New, uh, New Year's Day. I just did a r- podcast with uh, Eric uh, Rebel with a Cause, um, mm-hmm. and I spent about two hours just doom saying <laughs> about yeah, I, 2020 
Uh, and so I'm wondering how uh, this show, which is I think it's supposed to be a lighthearted, like afternoon uh, podcast. Let's see how we can how, how we can do this. I really don't want to go back to that dark place, Car. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, we I think we're we were planning on doing like a little bit of maybe like libertarian. But I don't know if it was going to be Libertarian Party or Libertarianism in the in 2020 and moving forward. Or, Yay! Uh, we're, that's the kind of show we are, Carr. We're a Libertarian yeah. show. <laughs> and we're moving forward. <laughs> we're going to be more Libertarian than ever this year. Yeah. Uh, Connor, what, do you, what are your thoughts? What do you think? You, you got anything just bubbling on the brain? You know, honestly, so, yeah, again, not knowing when you're going to release this, right? We're recording this on New Year's Eve, Eve. So I actually yeah. think it's kind of fitting that... Uh, as Americans, we're all getting excited for the new Roaring Twenties, while Washington, D.C. has pretty much decided to ring in the new year with a new prohibition on tobacco for people under 21. Oh, yeah, sure. that is weird. Uh, so we're bringing back the 20s in pretty much every way that we possibly can here. God. What? Yeah, that's it's so bizarre. Is, is it just um, me, or does it, again, this is what I was basically talking about on on that podcast but is it just me or does it really feel like we're in a new roaring 20s uh in a lot of ways like number one the inevitable market crash that is looming in the near distance (laughs) see i'm already starting (laughs) i'm already starting uh that and the uh uh, i feel like um everybody's everybody's going nuts in in 2020 i feel like that's what i have to feel that's what i feel that's what i feel Everyone's gonna go nuts in 2020. Well, you guys are you guys are crypto enthusiasts, right? Sure. So yeah. you run into. I mean, I'm just saying that you know the whole idea. I mean, if if you're in it, buy low, buy low. Mm-hmm. Just keep keep trucking. It's not gonna it's not gonna hurt you in the long run, uh, especially younger folks. Uh, that's a. It's actually it's not a bad place to be timeline wise for for a lot of people. Oh God. No, I, no, I mean, I yeah, I I think that uh. You know, buying and securing Bitcoin is a is a good idea, and um, you know, it certainly looks like uh, the more malfeasance that goes on on the back of the U.S. dollar, the the more um, smart that decision may end up being. And even you know, long term, I, I'm I'm more of a Bitcoiner than a gold guy, but even in the in the midterm, like even if you're precious metals oriented, man, that seems like it's probably going to be about that time to get in position. But I don't know. I've been saying that for five years, you know. So making a lot of making a lot of predictions, Carr. <laughs> how do you well, know predictions and that I'm completely undercutting myself at the end? Yeah. How, how do you know your Bitcoin thing will even last? <laughs> True. You don't. Uh, I don't know. I. Uh, it's probably uh, smart though, right? You're not a fi- as a financial guy. You never want to put all your eggs in one basket and say, "Hey, gar- I guarantee this," because you know someone's going to come knocking uh, the very first time that there's yeah, that there's yeah, well, a that right. there's a dollar to be made off your back. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, man. I don't know, man. It's gonna get. I, I think it's. We're. It's. It, it does feel like we're on the precipice of something. Um, between this Trump impeachment, um, a, another election year, uh, and just like a new decade, and you know, whatever. I don't know. It just does. It feels like we're we're on it. But I, I'm I'm eternally the optimist, as you know, Bird. Uh, I think I think we're on the verge of something good. Didn't I? Didn't realize how much of a pessimist I was <laughs> until recently. 
Uh, yeah, so that's well, good. You've been, we've been texting a little bit, and you've been you've been particularly really like, bad, huh? Really bad. Is yeah. it? I don't know like if the last two weeks is it because I'm single, or is it just because like is have I do I have nothing to lose, and so I can finally look at the world the way that it is, or like what is it the know. deal here? I don't know. I feel I like know. entering this new decade. I really do feel like some sort of uh, revelations type apocalypse is just on the horizon <laughs> have you looked uh, into this the... go ahead connor no, i was gonna say it's at the beginning of the year it's always a good time to make predictions right yeah, yeah. lay it out there what's gonna happen i mean if you start in such a dark low place you only you can only go up right oh, i mean if you are you saying are you saying that really i'm the optimist here. you're saying i'm the the real optimist in this situation perhaps uh, at the end of the at the end of uh you know we could be sitting here in 2030 and i'd love to look back and say man you know what Things just went perfect for Bird. Just across yeah, he, the board, yeah. happiest guy in the country. Oh, that would be fantastic. Decade I, of decadence I, for Bird. Yeah, I would be nervous if I was happy. That's the problem. <laughs> I would be like looking around, like, hold on, <laughs> Some, something's gonna go wrong. Um, yeah, I, I feel like so. So yeah, just yesterday, um, I there was a uh, a homeless gentleman uh, who was uh, walking around outside of my job. And uh, I went outside. I had a couple dollars, and I gave him the couple dollars. And uh, I he he wished me a happy new year. And I said, "Oh my God, happy new year!" And then immediately, as I turned around to face away from him, I stepped in dog shit. And I oh, I I kind of held on to that one until right now. But that's <laughs> that, that was my omen. Uh, if that if that means anything to anybody else. That was. It's just getting you positioned. You're you're just using the last few days of this decade to get positioned for the next one, and that's so you you know get those things out of the way. I hope I make it out of this decade. I really, I was, yeah, right. I think I was texting you. I don't think the United States makes it out of the 22nd century. I don't know if I make it out of this decade. <laughs> I'm really not sure. I'm not Three sure. Days. Two I'm days. not sure. Yeah, I nominate. Yeah, you've got Aaron. a lot of work to do in the next couple hours. Yeah, yeah. I, I nominate Aaron to. Uh, uh, be my my replacement <laughs> in in yep. events that I may die. We can uh, handle that. Yeah. How how is everything on your end, Connor? Does it seem like the the doom and destruction are uh, looming in the distance? How do you how do you feel when you look at the when you look at the whole world? Honestly, I, I'm an optimistic guy. I'm a glass half full type. I can't help it. I don't know. Blame my parents. Uh, the it's it's going to be a good year. I think it's going to be a good decade. Right. I mean. It's Everything else is crumbling, so yeah, liberty seems like it's actually in a pretty good place. Uh, I, I think uh, I was we were chatting about this uh, off the air, but uh, you know, I think Buttigieg is going to make a push. I think Trump and oh, Buttigieg fuck. is going to be where it's going to shake really? out. Oh god, <laughs> I do, I do, and I think the result is just going to be this this weird weird year that what? turns into people people taking a serious look at what's going on and hopefully doing something positive about it. He did right? it again. It's always darkest before the dawn. Our friend Joe Biden did it. Did you see this? He did something again. Something like somebody, some woman accused him of like yep. t- touching a child. And he goes, look, this is a democracy. <laughs> and that was the first thing he said in response to that. And then, and then he tried to go, oh, wait. I should probably walk that back and address the actual point. Yeah, I don't know. Pete Buttigieg? I, I mean, maybe, maybe. Uh, that would certainly be interesting, um, and I would be really Listen, I, proud of I, my co-host. I should clarify, too. I don't like Pete Buttigieg. No. <laughs> but when I talk to people about who he is, there's just this surprising amount of, 
okay, I get, you know, he seems like a sane person. His Douglas plan is out of this world, but as soon as he gets out of a primary and rolls all that back for the general public, I think he's going to, you know, he's not the type of person that Donald Trump is going to be able to rip on because if Donald Trump actually went after the things that he would normally do, which is, you know, to go after the fact that he's gay or go after some of the other, like, physical aspects of him being a smaller guy, he's going to look almost too far crazy. And Trump is, you know, I think he might, I just don't see how he would attack Buttigieg uh, like he would all of the, the rest of this field, which with very good reason looks absolutely insane. And, and Donald Trump would, with good reason, pick them apart. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think he goes for the millennial thing? Like, do you think he attacks Pete Buttigieg because Pete's a millennial? Is Pete a millennial? I feel like he is. That's a great question. I have no idea. I feel like old. he fits in yeah, with the is, with the millennials. Probably not that much older than I am. I yeah. Guess. yeah he, he, well, well, no, he's exactly your age. Yeah, he's my exactly. <laughs> Car, he's exactly your age. So yeah, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be too surprising. Yeah, uh, yeah. That you know what is weird is um, I've been thinking about how I'm going to position myself as things start to because I have to position myself either you know like it's for me for me. It's boring for me to just go, well, I don't, you know, I don't like either of these candidates when things shake out to it. So for me, I know I have to pick somebody. Um, I got to pick somebody who I could be like, yeah, that's the less terrible of the two. And and I I really don't want to support Donald Trump. I can't stomach supporting Pete Buttigieg. He just, he's, he really creeps me out. Um, uh, Donald Trump is just kind of like, oh, God. It's like your uncle, you know. It's like that one uncle that you have, very touchy, uh, <laughs> not not great. But Pete Buttigieg is such a damn square. Uh, it's true. He's it's such a square. True. He's such a uh, suit and tie. I don't know. Um, I don't want that guy to be president. He reminds me of Emmanuel Macron. Uh, and the only thing that oh, I know yeah. about Emmanuel Macron is that. People didn't like him so much that they started rioting, and I don't think that they've sto- actually stopped rioting since. Yeah, is that shit still going on? <laughs> I think it is. Uh, Fuck, <laughs> man. I think it is. So, yeah, I don't really... Hey, actually, riots in the streets would be kind of fun, but at the same time, I don't know if I want to commit to that yet. Man, do you remember um, Occupy, like, how fucking long that went on? I mean, it was, like, years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think well, it went on for the entirety. When did that start? Like, 2010? Yeah. You used to pass by that park and be like, oh, look, it's like a zoo. You know, like, there would be yeah, a like, point when you would just, because it became integrated into just what New York was, that when you pass by, you'd be like, oh, let's look at the freaks, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was in D.C. at the time, and I think the entire time I was in D.C. for, like, two years, I, I, it, it was just a thing. Like, people were just out living in the park uh, it was so it's amazing it's, it's amazing. funny to think about that that wasn't yeah. that long ago yeah no and and i really don't think they were occupied like they were just being news like they weren't doing anything right anymore yeah. they were kind of just hanging out in the park it's funny one time i was going to meet uh, a buddy at a at like a um it was like a little block party like beer fest um, a, a fairly small one. Uh-huh. I got off on the wrong stop, didn't realize it, and I I get out and I'm like, man, this thing is way bigger than I I thought uh, it, it was going to be. And, I, and I'm like walking through the crowd. I'm like, man, people are like really <laughs> fucking pissed. Like for, it's a it's a beer fest. Like come on guys. And I and then I squint. I'm like, man, everybody's holding signs. So, oh god damn it! Like, yeah. Go back down to the- <laughs> Oh no, I accidentally yeah. occupying. <laughs> Yeah, it's terrible. No what do you? What does the guy say? The first guy you ask for a beer, like, hey, where do I, where do I get a drink around here? And they're just 
all up and up in your face, just yeah, furious yeah. that you're just trying to chill. No, I don't think I, I don't think I spoke to anyone. I figured it out <laughs> fast enough. What does that say? Occupy. God damn it. Walls. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, uh, I, rem- I great times. Um, I think I'm at this point pushing for as much chaos as possible this decade. I think it's the only way yeah, we can be, we can we can save um, America is just almost sheer unadulterated chaos. Uh, I'm 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 shocked at how much, uh, how quickly, a low key look at some sort of like secession or decentralization has kind of come back into has it at least uh, yeah I, I feel that way and maybe not like an official like hey we are going to vote on this in the in but but where where de- well i mean spe- very specifically in virginia oh, and and sure. it's not a, it's not a virginia separating from the na- it's it's like counties being like hey we run ourselves and that that's like a really that's kind of like interesting and that happened really quickly sure. and it just shows you these like little flashpoints uh, and these like imp- like issues that don't really get a whole lot of airtime on you know mainstream media but as soon as you hit that th- that hot button man it's it is just you go from zero to 60. sure it's sure. also an event it's something that's prevalent on both sides of the aisle right i mean you have the cow exit movement that's the mm-hmm. left pushing really hard for I, I don't think that they think of it in terms of states rights they just want the ability to to live in whatever world they want to live in. But then you also have, you know, the New Hampshire contingent that's out mm-hmm. there really outspoken pro Liberty. We're going to, we're going to make the world a better place and we're going to start right here. Um, yep. the, there is worlds between them, but they're actually really remarkably close when it comes to their talking points and what they're actually mm-hmm. asking for. Um, so I, I do see them quite a bit, a lot more than I did even a year ago um, yeah. out there, out there making, making noise. And to be clear, I am equally as fine with both. I would, there's one that I would clearly rather live in, but, but, uh, the, you know, I, I, if you want to govern yourself any way that, you know, as long as everybody's on board, um, you know, I don't really care. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, it seems like that has kind of come back into vogue a little bit. Well, maybe not mainstream vogue, but people are kind of remembering the fact that, oh, we're not really beholden to this mm-hmm. monster. We're, we're, you know, we are still a community. We all, we are, we are still, you know, there's still things that we can kind of do on our own. And I love what you said and the way you said that too. I mean, Liberty is based on respect, right? It's, hey, mm-hmm. you do you, you want to live in uh, California and, and your dream utopia, go for it. Just please don't come uh, <laughs> dragging me into it, kicking and screaming. Right. Cause I will yeah. be kicking and screaming. Yeah, uh, it's it's almost amazing how simple that concept is, how powerful it can be, and how often ignored uh, it, it is right yeah. now. Oh man, yeah, and and I think that's such a that's such a great solution too, because then you don't really have to work out all this. Like, as much as I don't like government, if you pushed it back down to local, where everybody has to at least face each mm-hmm. other, and like I know who the city councilmen are, I see them yeah. in the grocery stores, I see them like, and there is real like when i say accountability i mean like they could catch a you know a knuckle to the job because they're actually walking around their community um they're you know it's so much less uh or it's so much more preferable um you know obviously i would want to move to a fully voluntary kind of organizational structure but um pushing pushing power down like that is is so nice and and it and you can do it without 
uh, burdening, you know, again, if, if, if Los Angeles wants to live like Los Angeles wants to live or San Francisco or Seattle, Hey man, have at it. And I, and I'd like to visit because like, I like those places, but I, I don't, I don't really want to live. You know, I don't really want to live there. And I can be selfish about it too. Right. I mean, those are, those are areas where people who care about Liberty can win. Once you get mm-hmm. at that local level, a lot of the people who actually win races, that's where they're winning. And I don't think it's just because, Oh, you know, libertarians or people who care about liberty they're raising less money they're operating on a smaller scale i genuinely think it's because the the nature of the campaigns that they're undertaking is you know it's people-based and there's just right. not enough time in the day to even win a, a seat in the house of representatives and expect to shake every hand you have to you know deputize half of an army to to get out there and knock on all those doors so i mean yeah put the power in the uh, I was writing about this recently, actually, and as a solution to gun control, you know, gun violence and as an alternative to gun control is these are these are community problems. And I interviewed a, the police officer from my uh, uh, he's actually the chief of police in my hometown. And that was his solution. He said, this isn't a problem that, you know, the federal government can fix. It's not a problem that the state government can fix. But guess what? We can do it in our communities. And it's mm-hmm. not all that hard. It's just people to people lifting each other up voluntarily when we have the opportunity and being real about what those limits are for when someone goes too far. Boom. Yep. Done. Yeah. No, no question. No question. Hmm. Bird. I'm just listening. That was good. I like that. I like that. Huh. I don't know where we go with it, man. I don't know. Uh, I I'm tapped out of talking about the decade. I think. Uh, in general, I mean, you got to talk, talk about the decade, right? You can't just talk about 2020 because we're setting up for stuff. Um, I really, I'm going to say it now. Carl, I'm going to ask you this because we don't ever talk about this. Um, if you had to pick somebody who wasn't Donald Trump to be the president, what, I don't whoever it is is who it is, but why are you going to pick that person? I want to know where your brain is at for the next decade. Are you going to try and hold this country together? Do you want to see it all burn down? What you know what I mean? Where where are you going with? Where are you going to go with this? Oh, I mean, are you giving me like out of likely candidates? Yeah, or? not really. Yeah, like really. What do you think is likely? And then what would you like if you could just nudge? What do you think? Yeah, what would you want? Know, yeah. You want this thing to all break apart? Well, I mean, you know, I'm not a collapse. Like I, I, regardless of uh, the legal structures, you know, I, I don't want. I, I want, like, broadly speaking, I want success to remain in this geographic region. Like that's good for everybody. That's good for us here. Um, so I don't want uh, things to explode. I want. I just want, um, you know, decentralization and 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 a transition or a a, a very as less or as non-disruptive as possible a transition from legacy coercive structures to new um, market-based structures. And, you know, a classic example would be like the taxi cab medallion system to Uber. Um, So you you just want stability. You just want some stability to let that happen. I think so. I think, (sighs) I I think when you, when like for me, to some degree, I think, that people who are favor more freedom for the individual, um, you know, we're kind of sitting around a poker table and you've got certain cards and, uh, and 
you know, you, you got to figure out how best to play your hand. And when, when, when like things get chaotic or disruptive or stuff like that, I think it really makes it difficult to play a strategic hand. Like, I think it makes it really, really, I think it pushes odds away from you. Um, sure, sure. So I don't know. I think if you look at like, if you look at, you know, that, that taxi to Uber example, if the taxi services had collapsed or something like that, I mean, I know that's unreasonable, but if they had collapsed in 2005 before Uber had come around, it would have been really chaotic for the consumers. They would have been like, well, what, what the hell do we do now? Um, whereas that, that peaceful transition, that smooth transi- transition, not only ensures that th- there's service for the consumers throughout, throughout, but it also ensures that Uber is here to stay. You know, the, the something half-assed didn't erupt in the, in the, you know, in the meantime. So, um, that's, you know, I, I kind of want staying power and I think you only get there through smooth transitions. Uh, it's interesting that you didn't give me the name of the candidate <laughs> in all of that. <laughs> because, yeah, isn't that convenient? Uh, yeah, uh, it is. I was going to say, cause I'm thinking about it like, I don't know, do any of them, are there any of them like ignorant, it, I guess it, ignorant it, it depends on what angle, it, yeah. it depends on what angle I would be playing. Uh-huh. So if I were playing, if I'm sitting at the poker table and I'm saying, look, this, this kind of decentralization movement is, it is gaining steam. I would probably go for the like weakest candidate, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the candidate least likely to enact force against society, you know, communities that are, even if not legally separating themselves saying, okay, our sheriff is not enforcing the drug war here in this County or, you know, pick your poison or whatever it is. Um, so I don't know. I don't know who that might be. Um, Bernie Sanders. You know, no. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you, know, you know, and and not only not only would Bernie kind of solve that, he would also very much encourage people to move away from his solution <laughs> yeah. that he's providing sure. through a centralized source. Sure. So sure. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that sounds weird, but maybe that's my pick. I might. Um, I think I may vote this year. Um, oh yeah. I, yeah, I think I may do a write-in vote this year. So. Who are you writing in? Mm, it's a good question, right? Uh, maybe that's a topic for an episode. <laughs> Who who's the most right inable candidate we could think of? <laughs> right outside yeah. of Ron Paul or something. Yeah, sure. Well, no, I would never write in Ron Paul. I don't want. Listen, Car, your yours and my aims are very different here. Um, you and I have shifted over the past year. Uh, you've okay. gotten a lot more optimistic, and I have gotten a lot more pessimistic. And uh, really, I. I'm I am cool for whatever at this point. I don't really stability whatever what I, I don't know. I may vote in like maybe I'll write in uh I may do John McAfee. I I may just kind of twist the twist the wheel it. directly into the mountain there. Yeah. It's too bad what my vote Connor? doesn't have much staying power, right? Cuz if I could choose yeah. who the president would be, it would be a very interesting situation. <laughs> Oh man! Um, overall, I I I wonder. I I do wonder how much because I was Connor. I was looking at, at your bio earlier, trying to get a sense for you, and I I trying well, to find any weak points, trying to find any chinks sure, in the armor. Sure, I I noticed uh, you are a professor, uh, sir. I am. Uh, yeah. Yes. I I uh, I have to tell you. I love the adjuncts a lot. I really love adjuncts. You guys do a really great job. Um, you try really goddamn hard. It's the tenured ones who are just horrible, <laughs> horrible, awful, awful, horrible. Um, 
I, I was wondering what what is your goal for this decade as far as academia goes? Usually academia is a weird thing. You have to like academia a lot to want to be in academia because you don't make any mm-hmm. damn money uh, and you and and people are always asking for your help and asking you to do extra shit. So one question that I did have for you, Connor, was uh, certainly placing it in the decade, but just in general. I like seeing. Would you call yourself a libertarian? Yeah, absolutely. I like seeing. Small L, I really love L, seeing yeah. libertarians in academia. What's the What's the goal there? Is there one? Is there like an intellectual, ideological goal there in academia for you? I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, I like to say I work for Liberty full time, right? I'm the director of communications for uh, a law firm that helps protect people who have been hurt by public sector union officials. I work as an adjunct. I basically spend all my time just focusing on Liberty in nice. one form or another. So when it comes to the classroom, uh, I've, I've actually been kind of disappointed in some ways by the um, intellectual juice that's being brought to the table. I have some students who are fantastic, don't get me wrong, uh, but a lot of the students, uh, what I teach is business communications. So when they're coming into the classroom for the first time, a lot of them are focusing on, well, you know, my purpose is to give away everything that I make, right? And right. that's how we're going to make the world a better place. So a lot of what I spend my time doing is, well, listen, yeah, sure, you can have a great purpose and you want to, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. Let's let's create a better world. But, you know, there's a much better way to do this. So introducing them to ideas like creating shared value, which is something proposed by Michael Porter, who's a Harvard business professor. Um, but basically what that means is you can do well while doing good. The, the quintessential example of that is uh, Walmart, right? Walmart redid all of their truck fleets to make them more green and more eco-friendly. And according to, you know, Milton Friedman, whoa, well, what are you doing? Your, your goal is to make money and your goal is to promote the benefits of your stockholders. And there was a big outcry about it. But what Walmart said is, no, we're going to push this green initiative. And over the next 10 years, they managed to actually improve their fuel efficiency. They were able to improve their uh, route tracking. So they were more efficient getting their trucks from A to B. And the result was that they delivered a huge amount of money to their stockholders, right? So, uh, you know, the other example is Domino's paving the roads, right? We all want fresh pizza. They're going to fix the potholes and and they're, you know, do good while doing well. So they're making money by doing the right things. And, And I think these two are actually really closely related now. You can't separate them. That's the only way we're going to move forward. And it's very libertarian. It's very pro-freedom because it's voluntary. It's businesses and people doing what's right and what's best for the world and the communities that they live in and their neighbors, not because there's some you know, guillotine waiting from the government, but because they recognize this is how we move business forward. This is how we grow wealth. Um, so in terms of what I want to do for the next decade is open kids' eyes to what it actually means to improve the world. And it doesn't mean giving away everything you own or being this selfless whatever, because, you know, I think it's a Morton Blackwell quote is, you know, you can't change the world if you can't pay the rent. And a lot of these kids, if they're, if they're living like that, they're going to end up broke. They're going to end up homeless and guess who they're going to have to turn to Bernie Sanders and that, that kind of person uh, to, to fix their problems. We got We got to nip this in the bud now. 
I always feel like I would be a my candidate, Bernie uh, Sanders. Uh, your <laughs> your friend of the show, my Bernie Sanders. My preferred twenty twenty presidential <laughs> candidate. <Bernie Sanders>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I, uh, I I I would I would be a brutal professor, dude, because I I I I know that you guys probably have restrictions as to you know the how difficult you can make a class, but I would my God, there'd be all right. I I would try as hard as I could not to teach 100 levels, and then every 200 level class, it'd be like, okay, you should be expecting to read six books. Uh, by the end of this, and yeah. they, they're all going to be very specifically oriented books <laughs> because <laughs> well, you're in my curious. class. So these these kids, they catch me in their in their first year for like a more written communications kind of business basics, and then they they have to circle back to me oh, in their junior year. Okay. So uh, you know to catch me for more verbal presentation, memos, uh, meetings, elevator pitches, those sort of things. Uh, so I'll be curious to see how many of them are excited to take my class again yes. and how many are just searching for any other professor to yeah, teach yeah, them yeah, 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 uh, about yeah, 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 yeah. communication. Yeah, man. I'd have them reading. I don't know. I All right. <laughs> for opening class, it's it's a it's printed copy of No Treason. Read it. Right. Notate it. There's a quiz on it next week. <laughs> Go. That's it. You, no class period. Just read. <laughs> That's all I need. That's all I would need. I don't know if it makes you feel better or worse, but there is a ton of freedom in terms of what professors are allowed to bring to the yes, classroom. And I think I, that can go really well or really poorly. I'd like to think for me, it's great because I can bring a little bit of liberty and you know those ideas of you know voluntarism and uh, that kind of thing. But when I was an undergrad, I took a course called uh, Early American Political Thought. Oh, and the first thing that we did in that class was the professor took us on a field trip to occupy wall street in manhattan ah, so okay. to circle back you know those sorts of things they can go really well or they can go really poorly sure. uh, but i can tell you if that guy never got in trouble but if i if i pushed it too hard i do feel like uh, you know there could be some pushback on, oh yeah on what i'm saying oh, for classroom. sure for sure oh yeah. we were talking to um cj uh who does uh dangerous or um dangerous history dangerous mm-hmm. history yeah yeah, and I mean he's he's he. Uh, I think he teaches at a community college, uh, but oh, wow. he he was saying that he. Uh, did it, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, he was saying that he's had Anatomy of the State like as part of his reading list, right? Wow, Bird. I I remember him saying that. Yeah, I remember yeah. him saying that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I would be brutal. Too, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> There's, if it's a 100 level, it's like okay, you're doing this for a course requirement. That's fine. You just one book. The class is going to be on one book. But like 200 levels, you uh, six books and 300 levels, six books and a thesis, please. I I I uh, I feel like we. I don't know. Every libertarian that I've ever met, <laughs> um, one thing that unifies all of them is that they are intellectual people. Um, I don't know whether or not that means they actually make good arguments. That's a different thing. But they are intellectually interested people. And I feel like it, I don't know which one of those two things comes first, right? Does Do the intellectually interested get involved in this or does this make people intellectually interested? But I feel like, especially if we're talking about going into a new decade, Carl, you and I have talked about this enough before. For, it's half the reason why I joined the Libertarian Party is – I mean, messaging and information, it, this, this is how we succeed, I think. I don't even, I, I, there's no more successful way to go than to get people to just kind of read and learn and think, I, even if they don't end up on our side. I feel like if we had a more informed society that kind of knew about the ways in which the government was manipulating them, 
Uh, at the very least, we would have a population that was more open and honest and active, I would hope. I was talking about this, on, like I said, on Rebel with a Cause. Only a third of the country voted, and that's what it felt like when only a third of the country voted. A third of the country voted, and it almost felt as if there was going to be civil war in the streets at one point. <laughs> and this was 33%, and really, how many of that 33% were the people who were causing the trouble? Now, imagine if we kicked that voting number up to 50 or 60. I don't care what you think about voting in and of itself, but just look at what someone who votes can do to the culture in general. And I feel like that's... If I want to kick some chaos up, especially, that's where we got to go, is we really got to get people educated and interested enough to be able to go and do, voting is a pointless act, I will admit this, but to even want to go and do something like that, I just think it encourages people to make big change, uh, at least as I've seen, and so, it, talking about academia, that's why I feel like I would be really brutal about it, is just read and shovel information into your head and facts into your head and I can't imagine you don't come out of that with a completely different perspective on the world I think we got to find you a place where you can apply I get know. you on that train that's a fan, I mean that's that's so important and I'm, there, I don't think there's enough people who think that way right to, to start with people who are young who are voting though and give them the tools they need to succeed I mean if, that's if, if that's you're huge. gonna go out and vote you got the energy to go out and do something more mm -hmm. important than that <laughs> You like really for a track did. And for a window. Yeah, I don't know. I have either you ever voted before? Like, you pick up a ballot and there's like 40 names on it, and then a bunch of motions that you don't know about, and people go and do that, and they pretend like they know, and some of them might actually go and research the things on the ballot beforehand. I can't. That's crazy. Uh, we just need more people who do things like that. We really do. At some point, you have to get disillusioned, right? At some point, that you had to get disillusioned and want to change stuff. I don't know. Maybe maybe people try and change it for the worse and not the better. Who knows? Well, no one's going out of their way to explain those referendum questions either. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a small town in southern Maine. So, uh, you know, kind of a different vibe. You know, coastal town. Great place to grow up. Loved it. Can't move back to Maine because taxes are too high and there, there are no jobs there. Sure. But at the same time, the guy who took the time in our town – to study the referendum questions, write up a packet, and then distribute it throughout this small town. Nice. He was a postman. Nice. That wasn't his job. He just—he was right. someone who just genuinely cared. Oh, that's I just okay. Don't see that when we when we form our own society, that's my job. Okay, that's <laughs> that. I want to do literally that. What that guy did—that's my job. I want to be the guy who breaks down the ballot. <laughs> You, si you sign me up when you. I'll, I'll be on the plane when we go to form our own society. I'll be there. Bags will be packed. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll read about all the stupid measures and movements that you want, and I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll break them down. That would be great. I love it. Yeah, I, 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 I do really think there's. I, Car, I'm sure you disagree with me, but I really do think there's a place for politics in getting to that stage, um, that stage where we can find where where we get a little bit post political, maybe. Um, and post-politics is a little scary because the only people who use it right now are, like, identitarians. So that's not great. But if we could sort of get away from politics altogether and play at a higher level than that, that would be awesome. But until then, this is the only way you get people thinking about stuff, it feels like. I feel like we... I, I don't know. Do you remember midterms? You know, you, you remember uh, uh, the midterm elections? How it was really picking up and the Kavanaugh thing was happening and it was all very, very crazy... I feel like it's weird, but politics is something people that really don't give a shit about 
and in a real way, it gets people to actually move. It's very strange. It's like a, it's a, like an illusion. Why is that? Why do people do that? I don't... Do you feel like that's true for people who care about liberty as well? Like it's the mainstream news that's going to do that, or, or what else would you do to get people who care about liberty, you know, off their keyboards and and out in the streets? I, I unfortunately, I've been very much of the opinion that people will not shift into that position until they are forced to. Uh, and I really do think that this cr- market crash that everybody keeps talking about showing up is going to push people into that. I, I can't really, Car. maybe you can shed some light on this. I can't really remember what got everybody moving during the Ron Paul movement. It, it was the 08 crash is what got it started. But it really picked up in 2012, So, which was yeah. afterwards. So I don't really know. I, I don't really know how we can spread a message as effectively as this inevitable thing that's coming. I definitely think that oh, the the crash had a lot. To, well, I think it was a lot of things. I think it was just you know by by 2008, even though people, particularly on the right, weren't really saying it, they were the the Iraq and Afghanistan wars had just been a complete yeah. disaster. Yeah, it looks like uh, we have all the tools on the table, right, to be able to tell people about liberty, right? It was just it was just kind of one of those perfect storm things, and then Ron Paul like managed to like he had just been in politics for long enough that he had I guess the right connections and got you know was able to get on TV, and when he got on TV, the market was crashing, and he was you know saying the right things and and you know saying some things about war that weren't maybe weren't even necessarily popular, but it was like no news is or, or, or there's no such thing as bad press. You know, it was like getting him in the limelight, like particularly that Giuliani moment. Sure. Um, even if people were playing it to make fun of him, he, it was, he, it was still getting him attention. And then I don't think like, I don't, this was when I was in college, but I don't really remember the fever pitch really dying down. I mean, everybody like, went back to their houses, you know, and just like, we're ha- you know, like it wasn't like fever pitch, fever pitch, but it was like, we'll see in that. We'll see in four years. Like that, mm-hmm. it never really went away. Yeah, like, where yeah, did we're that, gonna, that, that we're going to do this again. Yeah. I was going to say even like, even like halfway 2008, people were like, it ain't happening this time, but we're going to keep making noise. And 2012 is going to be a shit show. And it was, and, that, and it I, was. I always felt like that was the, the, the sentiment. We need that again, right? I we need. Uh, I mean, this is another thing we've been talking about a lot for a long time. Is that it, you know the Libertarian Party, whether people like it or not, you want to spread that the ideas. Uh, a central party is is a good way to do that. Um, we really, if you want to spread that message effectively, you, there really needs to be that figurehead that people kind of has a good way of communicating the messages quickly and intelligently. And gives everybody the idea of what they'd like to be like, you know, if, if they were also going to spread a message. I feel like Ron Paul was an icon for a lot of people, right? Uh, somebody who yeah. I'm sure a lot of people, I, I remember him, I, I I remember him as if I was there. I, I remember watching Ron Paul on Firing Line with Bill Buckley, and it's from like the 80s. And like he's yeah. calm and cool and collected, and I, I feel like... That guy is very much somebody who a lot of people could 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 and probably did grow up to model themselves after. I feel like we need that again. We need another like person who we can model ourselves well, after. And I know, I know this won't happen. Uh, and I'm not. And again, I'm not a poli- like I don't I don't I don't know a lot of the ins and outs because I'm just not interested in it. Um, but you know, somebody like if not 
Maj Ture, but somebody like that. Would I'm be- getting on the Maj Ture oh. train too, man. I'm really getting. Dude, somebody <laughs> like that would be so interesting. I mean, like, yeah, if, a bulldog. You know, in, I, I, it can't happen. It's way, way too late for this one. But, but just theoretically, if it could, you know, you've got somebody like Maj who's super outspoken, does not back down, can knows how to get into a news cycle or like knows how to drum up some, some, uh, like, press and and everybody else is putting forward you know 80 year old white men yeah and you've got you've got a you've got a you know a a black dude from the hood who's like you know telling you to arm up like like that it it would just be so different and he's so outspoken and he's so um you know he's he's a bulldog man it would just be awesome it would be that's yeah i want to say one thing here actually just related to because you brought up maj uh I, i helped out on maj's campaign Oh, okay. Uh, in Philly. Oh, nice. uh, I was a campaign advisor for a period of time until I started teaching, actually, where it got a little dicey about what I could be doing um, right. on the side. But one of the things that I, I think uh, libertarian and pro-freedom candidates generally need to get really good at if they want to succeed at that level is organizing effectively, but also delegating effectively. I think mm-hmm. the people that the Libertarian Party tends to uh, move toward or gravitate toward is those personalities who, like you said, they're so strong, they're so uh, well-spoken, they're not well, they're not going to back down. Um, unfortunately, I think what you see with some of those is that they're also not willing to back down internally, and they're right. not willing to lean on experts who have been doing traditional politics for a long time. Uh, and again, I, I like Maj, love Maj, what he does. Uh, he's a fantastic guy, but you know, that was one of the reasons why he ended up in 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 the place where he ended up is because there wasn't enough expertise surrounding him at the end of the day to to push him to a point where he could have gotten that 15 he needed 15, what 15 percent to be sitting on that board mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's a lesson that libertarian candidates need to take a look at across the country if they want to be successful at mm-hmm. all levels mm-hmm. right yeah, I, and again, I don't know the and and the other thing I don't know is I, I just flat out don't know that, that much about Maj like his back like I don't know if he has skeletons mm-hmm. in the closet like I I don't know much about the guy but just see like seeing him and like seeing him speak you're like and sometimes I feel like it's this weird adversarial relationship where and and again I would defer to everybody else on this podcast other than myself but. For me, like if I were looking at the Libertarian Party like a business, like I, I, I would be actively like those people that are good at organizing and delegating but aren't necessarily the candidate. I would be looking actively like I want my Tom Brady. Like I want, I want yeah. to find it, and then I want to find every way to, possible to make that you know him successful in the system. Um, and I don't know, you know, how that correlates to to the Libertarian Party, but sometimes it feels like it's like every every single and this is why i get just so really frustrated with the libertarian party is every single thing that i go to almost w- with a few exceptions feels adversarial yeah everything is a fight and and that's part of that is just libertarians in general i'm sure um but it 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 is not like it doesn't feel like there's this co- cogent message and everybody's like okay how do we get there like it always just feels like it's fighting one more thing on that topic uh, as well is the timeline that libertarian presidential candidates are actually given to succeed, right? So I, I actually was at CPAC. I go to CPAC as, as part of work and I had the chance to, to talk to Brad Parscale, who's Donald Trump's campaign manager, which is fantastic. But what he told me at that, this is last February, he told me he has 13 million volunteers 
signed up and he's ready to go. And there's what, five, 600 days before the election. <laughs> when, when the libertarian party chooses a candidate for 2020, they're going to have 152 days, I think, um, to put it all together. There's no machine Jesus. in place. There's no, uh, when people talk about viability, it's not even about the person at this point. It's about the system that they're inheriting to be able to make a, a valid push. We uh, Libertarians, in my opinion, this is one guy talking, need to be choosing a candidate a full year earlier just yeah. to allow them to get their feet under them yep. because of exactly what you said. Otherwise, it's just a fight every single time we get together. Wouldn't it be nice if we already knew who the guy was going into a, a conference or going into a uh, something like a convention where everyone's on the same page and pushing the same guy forward, so much more would get done and and push them in the right in the right way. Yeah. God. Yeah. You. Can I think. I think. Wish. I think. Uh, Joshua Smith was saying something about that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish. Uh. Are you uh, Are you at all involved with the Mises Caucus? Uh, I am. Uh, I guess tangentially involved. Uh, I I live fairly close to Mike Heiss. I uh, oh. I talk to him. I don't know, every two weeks or so, uh, me and him are in, are in pretty constant contact. Uh, I haven't been as involved as I'd like to be, but what I can say is I like what they're doing. I appreciate what they're doing. And I think that they're, uh, from a public relations standpoint, they're getting the short end of the stick from, from some of their critics, uh, who aren't taking the time to give them, uh, the credit that they deserve for, for what they've been doing. I'm a big fan. Cool. Yeah. I like, I like what they're doing too. It seems like it's, I hope it propagates through the party. That's for sure. Yep. Feels very much like within the party, that thing you were talking about car about how we'll see in four years, it feels very much like if, if it doesn't succeed this time, it will feel that way for next time. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. I think very, very interesting altogether. Um, but other than that, we got anything else or are we, uh, we cruising out on this one. Is this is this might be a New Year episode? So again, Happy New Year's to everybody. Should just mention. Uh, we got anything else? Oh, I don't. I don't think I. I do. Yeah, it was very just cr- nice to hop in and talk. Uh, talk new new decade. Connor, you got anything? Oh yeah. Just uh, obviously, I'm I'm hoping that 2020 and the rest of the decade goes a heck of a lot better than uh, Bird seems to think it's going. To. <laughs> yeah. uh, again. I, I'm, a, I'm a glass half full guy. I'm a silver lining guy, so uh, I'm optimistic. And uh, just a huge thanks for having me on. I, what uh, is I what, since you say optimism? Let's close it out on that. What is what is so optimistic about this decade to you? If you had to pick one thing that you could tell our listeners that you think is a good thing that is coming probably this decade, what do you think that is? I, I there's probably a lot actually when you really think about it. Yeah. Uh, I, Man, that's a, I mean, it's a tough question, but I'm going to narrow it down to exactly, uh, you know, within the scope of what we've been talking about. I see just more and more people every single day who care about liberty deciding to make that their vocation. They're deciding to, to make this such a huge part of their lives. Uh, a lot of times when I talk to people who care about liberty, you know, they get excited, they get pumped up. And then I say, oh, that's awesome. What do you do for a living? They, oh, well, you know. I work at the bank. I work for an insurance company. I do it more and more. What I'm starting to hear though is, you know, but I'm actually looking for something that's going to allow me to work for Liberty full time. And I'm optimistic that that's going to be a game changer when we can get, instead of people working 40 hours a week and then volunteering 10 hours a week, let's get people working for Liberty 50, 60 hours a week and, and making a difference every single day in their communities. 
Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Car, what about you? I, I, I Maybe I should throw mine in. I feel like a, a couple of things. I, I really do. I think this decade we will achieve real prison reform. That seems to be a big thing that's coming. Um, marijuana legalization, I think, is, is going to happen within the next few years. Uh, and car, maybe one that maybe maybe I'm going to steal this one from you, but it's because it's been on your mind for a while, but it is really important. The situation that's happening in Virginia that is a signal, and the people who want to take guns away are not getting any quieter. And it's nice to see that there is a county-by-county county response growing in opposition to that. And I hope that that's a signal for what comes in the new decade, is the more and more people push to take stuff away from people, it's going to be nice to see all of the people come out of the woodwork who are finally tired of having their stuff taken from them. Um, so I, I hope that that is a song that is sung this decade. Yeah, me as well. And and to put a finer t- point on it, like the, the, for the Virginia situation, you know, I personally don't like. I don't want to say I don't give a shit about guns. I'm just not a gun guy. I just I like what they what they enable. And that's and and when we when we start when more decentralized, more voluntary systems start to compete to or try to compete to take business away from those legacy, uh, uh, you know, what we would say violent systems. Well, they're going to react and, uh, and seeing the response, uh, in Virginia, like that's what excites me. I don't want anything to happen. I just want the threat of a response to be there so that we can continue to push the power down, push the power down, push the power down without violence like that's what that's what excites me about that is that if there's enough of a of a showing and enough uh concern generated at the higher levels that the lower levels are going to react it can buy time as we just keep you know pulling pulling goods and services down into the lower strata so that's uh, that's what i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to power being pushed down from from federal to state from state to local to you know from local to community community to person community to family car community to family yeah there you go <laughs> it, we all got to bring it back down to the family level yeah. uh and with that car camp it i think we're good connor do you have plugs you have any any plugs you want to give things you're doing uh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. The best place to find me is uh, ConnorDragotas.com, C-O-N-N-E-R-D-R-I-G-O-T-A-S. It's where you'll uh, find writing, audio, uh, and keep an eye out for uh, some new content, specifically a book uh, coming in the new year uh, that will be helping people find work in the Liberty Movement. Oh, nice. Very cool. Very, very cool. Awesome. And we will is that going to be like well, I was specifically gonna... for the political side or is that going to be no uh that's going to be helping people work for uh liberty in their lives generally how can you make a full-time living you know hopefully six figures making a living helping promote liberty in these united states of america i think we may need to have you back on then it seems like (laughs) it almost as soon as i have a date for that coming out you'll be the first to know and i can absolutely pick you up very good you know roughly like a, like a year or a, under a year, year, hopefully four or five months, uh, oh. working out a few details now, uh, but hopefully it'll, uh, be on shelves and be available. And, online. and you fat cast listeners can get one free copy. If you, 
<laughs> See, Carl, we gotta, we gotta do more of those. We got really, unreasonable, unreasonable yeah, promises. Yeah, we gotta do more like uh, uh, giveaways. It may, really makes this show seem like there's more than twelve people listening. Uh, giveaways, sponsorships. Listen, I think we're gonna blow this out of the water. Oh, yeah. This is gonna be ground zero for the expansion of this. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, this oh yeah. Product. Sell books. Man. Uh, DVDs, nude nude videos, things like that. Yeah. I mean, anything, really. We <laughs> could really do anything. Yeah, yeah. Big feet pick, guys. Big yeah. feet, yeah, yeah. Big nude foot pick. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, let's feet out. Let's... let's <laughs> sorry. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, All right, guys. Steer me out. Thanks, yeah. guys. Really appreciate it. Have a great night. Yeah, for sure. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Keep two hands on the wheel. Bye.